Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so excited that you're here joining us for this series, This Is Us. We're in week two. We're talking about what makes Bridgewater Bridgewater, what makes us who we are. And I wanted to start by telling you about a book I read a few years ago called Loving Your Community. Loving Your Community was written by Steve Vyers. And in the book, Steve talks about this this race. He's He's a cyclist, and he lives in the state of Indiana. And they were doing this race that started at the border of Illinois and rode all the way through Indiana into the state of Ohio. And as he's riding through this race, they have all these different rest stops set up. And uh, at these rest stops, they have energy snacks and energy drinks and waters and places where you can really refuel your body. And, and friends are there. People are cheering you on and giving you high fives and fist bumps. And, and he talks about how a lot of these communities were there to, to serve these cyclists. In fact, he talks about that there was like this friendly competition between communities as to who could serve the better snacks. And as he's finishing up this race, he's pulling into one of the very last rest stops. And as he pulls into this rest stop, he's, he's actually a pastor, and he notices that right next to this rest station is this beautiful church with a huge parking lot. And he begins to think, man, I wonder if any of those people are out here serving today, serving the community, serving these cyclists. And as he's pulling into this rest station, he sees this guy pulling in these sawhorses with a sign. And he's getting closer, and he's like, ah, I hope that sign doesn't say what I think it says. And as he gets closer, this is what happened. He says, as the scene came into clearer focus, I saw the man dragging the sawhorse down the church driveway and affixed to it was a sign that said, no parking allowed here. And then Steve writes, in all fairness, I suppose the church may have been preparing to host a giant event in a few minutes and simply could not spare any parking spots for these neighbors in need. But honestly, I highly doubt it. The more likely explanation is that he had fallen victim to an attitude and philosophy that seems to affect many churches regarding the way they think about sharing what they have with others in their communities, which is say no unless you have to say yes. Imagine if that was our philosophy, say no unless you have to say yes. Let me ask you the question. Uh, If Bridgewater closed its doors next weekend, would our community notice? Would they care? What would they think? What happened? What's going on? What would they miss about Bridgewater? Is there anything that makes us different? And if so, what is that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen behind me. While you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the background. It is Passover time. And Jesus and the disciples are getting ready to have the Passover meal. They're they're celebrating the Passover meal. The Passover meal was was a meal in which they would reflect back on 
when Israel was set free from the bondage of Egypt. And they're looking back at all the things that God has done in the course of their lifetime. They're looking at the faithfulness of God and they're thinking about sacrifice. They're thinking about the sacrificial system. They're thinking about who God is and they're in this room and they're about to have this incredible Passover meal. John chapter 13, let's look at verse one. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus walks into this room and he knows everything that is happening. He knows that this is the hour. He knows that he is going to die very soon. He knows what Judas is up to. He knows that Satan is at work in Judas's heart. And he knows that Peter will deny him not once, not twice, but three times and pretend like he didn't even know him. And he knows that God is up to something bigger. He knows exactly what is happening. And he walks into this room knowing all of that, particularly what's going on in the life of Judas and what will happen in Peter. And he knows that Satan has prompted Judas. That word prompted carries the idea of someone throwing something from one location to another, that Satan had thrown something into Judas's heart. Now, I'm not up here to say the devil made him do it, but he responded. Judas responded to those desires, followed those desires, gave in to those desires because he wanted money, he wanted praise, he wanted the status. He wanted to be, be the man who gave Jesus up. He wanted those people to go, that's Judas. He wanted to be celebrated. Jesus walks into that room. He knew all of that. He wasn't surprised one bit. Imagine, that's you walking into that room. There's this cosmic battle happening between Jesus and Satan. And Judas is there to serve himself, to take care of him. And Satan wants to destroy and unravel everything. He wants to defeat Jesus. And Jesus is there knowing everything. Imagine you're walking into that room. And you walk into that room and it's a, it's a celebration. It's, it's, a, it's a holiday. It's like a Thanksgiving. It's like a Christmas. It's like a birthday, right? It's a big deal. You're celebrating something. You walk into that room, and in that room, you see friends. You see people that you care about, and you know that one of those people is going to betray you. They're going to sell you out. They're going to stab you in the back, and like Judas, they're going to sell you out for like a couple hundred bucks, and in that room, there's also somebody who's going to later pretend like they didn't even know who you were. And you've invested time, 
ours. You've loved them. You've served them. You've taken care of them. You've trained them. You've raised them up over the last three years, shown these, these people how to do life. You walk into that room and you know one of them has already sold you out. One of them has already betrayed you. I mean, if that's me, I'm going to be honest. If that's me, I'm, I'm coming in hot, right? I'm going, dude, I know what you did. I know what you said. I know you sold me out for 30 pieces of silver. I'm exposing it right there. Dude, I know in a couple days, you're going to pretend like you didn't even know me. I'm, you are going to pretend like our friendship meant nothing. But that's not what Jesus does at all. Take a look at what Jesus does. Verse 4, look at his, how he responds. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, not everyone was clean. Jesus is focused on others. And compare that to Judas. Judas is, is focused on himself. Judas is serving him. He's taking care of his needs. He's putting himself above everybody else. And Jesus is there and he says, I'm here to serve. I'm here to take care of you guys. We need to stop choosing something now, right? Right now, we chose. We make these decisions based on how we're feeling. You hurt me. You betrayed me. And we make that trade for what is happening right now for something that's far better that's going to take place later. And Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. I'm sure. I guess I'm not sure. I'm guessing. <laughs> knowing these guys are going to betray him, knowing these guys are going to do what they do, probably saddened his heart. It probably hurt knowing the time that he invested in these guys and he shifts his focus to serving. And he gets down on his knee or on his knees and takes the water and begins to wash these guys' feet. One by one, washing their feet, drying it. Washing their feet, drying it. Washing their feet and drying it. And the thing you need to know is back then in the first century in Jerusalem, these guys didn't wear socks or shoes or boots they were footwear that looked like this. Nice, comfy sandals or, or sandals that looked like this, right? And in the streets of Jerusalem, it would have been dusty. It would have been dirty. Animals walked through the street. Animals do what they do wherever they want to do it, 
And when it rained, it turned into liquid mud. And so these guys are walking through the, the, the streets, ladies included, kids included, walking through the streets, wearing footwear like that, stepping in who knows what, walking into your house, and you're like, whoa, not a chance, buddy. So the custom was when you walked into someone's house, there would be a servant, there would be a slave, maybe the youngest child, and they would get that water out and they would get down on their knee and the slave or the servant of that house would then begin to clean your feet, washing off all the dirt, all the muck, all the grime, all the toe jam. That was the role of the servant. And Jesus gets on his knees, takes on that role of the servant, and he begins to wash their feet. Meaning that these disciples, all 12 of them, walked by that basin of water or didn't even think to find the basin of water, and one by one they thought, not me. I'm not doing it. There's no way I'm washing your feet. Dude, you're gross. And that's the role of a servant. I'm better than you. I'm certainly better than you, Judas, come on. How does money keep really disappearing? Dude, I'm not washing that guy's feet. And one by one by one, they all walk by or pretend it's not a big deal, and none of them says, I'll do it. Yet Jesus, the King of kings, the one who created the entire universe, the one who spoke everything into existence says, I'll do it. He flips the script on these. Because there is nowhere in, in history, there are no examples in history of a teacher, of a master, of a rabbi ever washing the student's feet, the servant's feet, or anybody else's. And yet Jesus is the rabbi, the teacher, the king of kings, and he flips all of that upside down. He says, I'll do it. I'll wash the grime, the muck, all of that. I'll do the job. And so if we want to have an impact on others, if we want to have an impact on the community, we need to do the dirty work. Jesus gets down on his hands and his knees, and he is willing to serve. Do the dirty work. He's willing to do the nasty, gross stuff that nobody else in that room wanted to do or was willing to do. Yet Jesus did it. That's incredible. He's willing to do the dirty jobs. He's willing to do the jobs that nobody else wanted. So, so what does that look like? Well, it looks like figuring out at home, what are the chores, what are the jobs that nobody else wants to do? What are, what are the jobs, what are the things at home that your spouse doesn't want to do and do that? When you go back to school and you're sitting at the lunch table and all your friends have their trash and their trays and things, it's, hey, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. Let me take all this and I'll throw it out for you. I know it's not my trash. I know you can do it yourself. It's when you're at, at home and, and you clear the table. Other people could do it. Other people can, can take their own dishes to the table. I'll take that. I'll take that. You're at someone else's house. I'll take that. Hey, you made that for me. Let me do this for you. It's doing the jobs that nobody wants to do. It's walking across the parking lot on your way to your car and noticing a piece of trash or a cigarette button and go, I'll, I'll pick that up. I'll throw that out somewhere else. 
I'll take care of that. It's, it's going, okay, what, what needs to happen right here to make this happen today? You need this, I'll take care of it. You need chairs put down, I'll take care of it. You need chairs collected, I'll take care of that. It's doing the dirty jobs. It's, it's opening, up, opening up your home for a small group. You don't even have to lead the group. Maybe God has blessed you with a house that has a living room that is a little more open and inviting. And you're going, yeah, but I couldn't facilitate that. I couldn't lead that. That's okay. Somebody else will do that. It's opening up your home and saying, hey, come in my house. I'll clean. I'll prepare. I'll make it look nice. We'll just do that. We'll just take care of it. Looking for those opportunities. It's, it's getting up in the middle of the night, taking care of the baby when the baby is screaming and crying again for the millionth time. Say, okay, I'll take care of it this time. I'll change the diaper this time. I'm just going to take care of it. I know there's, this, there's the dirty job. Nobody wants to do it. Let me serve you. It's going to work tomorrow with this attitude of, I'm here to help. Let me serve you. Let me, let me help. How can I do this? And Peter thinks he's going to tell Jesus what he can do, what he shouldn't do. And Jesus, he says, no, no, Peter, you've misunderstood the mission. I have come to serve. I'm a conquering king, but I am coming to conquer, and I'm also coming to serve and to sacrifice. And Jesus is also saying, look, you've misunderstood this. This is about a spiritual cleansing too. It's a picture. It's a metaphor. If you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you are in Christ and you are cleansed. Something that Peter would get later on. But not only that, he's willing to serve Peter and Judas. Just think about that. Put yourself in that room for a moment, knowing that Judas is going to sell him out for a few hundred bucks, and you're going to die because of that. And he serves him, knowing all of that. So if we want to have an impact on our community, if we want to have an impact on others, we need to serve our enemies. Serve your enemies. People that you like, those are easy to serve. People that you're friends with, easy to serve. People that you get along with, that you connect with, easy to help. But what about the people that annoy you? Mm, not so easy. What about the people who just drive you up the wall? Like they're just like, they take their annoying pills every single morning. How do we serve those people? They're not even your enemy. What about the people who betrayed you, hurt you, sinned against you? And some of you, you've gone through some relationships like that. You're in a marriage right now where you've experienced betrayal. You've had friends who have stabbed you in the back. You have people in your life that have lied about you. You have like partners at work where you were doing business and they betrayed you. They stole something from you. Maybe it was an idea. Maybe it was money. Maybe it was time. They've taken advantage of you. How do we serve those people? This is what we do at Bridgewater. When we collect school supplies for teacher gift bags, we give teacher gift bags to all of the teachers, all of the staff at SV. 
not just the Christian teachers. We don't go over like, do you believe in Jesus or you get a bag? <laughs> no. Atheists, Buddhists, evolutionists, people who believe in nothing, we don't care about what your belief system is over there, and we do, but we're not serving only people who think and believe like us. We're serving everybody, the teachers, the aides, the secretaries, the office staff, the bus drivers, the janitors. If you work at SV, it doesn't matter if you think like us or believe like us, we want to serve you. I'm not saying they're our enemy either, okay? They just don't think like us. They don't believe like us. They don't believe that God's word is an authority, and that's okay. We still want to serve everybody. Imagine if we took that mentality into our marriages. Your marriage is on the rocks, and what would happen if you began to simply serve your spouse? Your relationship with, with your kids is kind of strained, or with your parents, it's strained. What would happen if we simply tried, simply took on the mentality of serving our kids, or serving our parents, or serving our neighbors? What would happen? What would happen in our marriages? What would happen in our workplace? What would happen in our communities, in our schools, if we adopted that mentality to go, I want to serve you? This week, look for an opportunity to serve somebody that you wouldn't normally serve. But notice what happens next. Verse 12, he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Here's the example. Go do this. You call yourself a follower of Jesus that, that requires us to really be an apprentice of Jesus. It means spending time with Jesus. It means learning from Jesus. And it means following him and doing as he does. Mark John Comer says this. He says, being a follower of Jesus is about following him and living as Jesus lived. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. The way of Jesus is a way of life. It's not a set of ideas. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a way of life. Jesus has come to these disciples serving them. It's not about washing feet. He's not saying go out and wash everybody's feet. Go out into the world and make more and better clean feet. He's saying, adopt the example. Here's the pattern. Go serve people. Go serve others. He's, he's taken on the role of a servant. He is humbling himself before all of these men. And he's saying, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to do the dirty work. I'm going to serve you even though you're going to betray me, even though you're going to lie, me, lie to me, lie about me, even though you're going to sell me out, even though you're going to deny me, even though you pretend like you didn't even know me, I'm going to serve you no matter what. 
Why is Jesus doing this? Because serving is love. And love is serving. And so if we want to have an impact on our community, if we want to have an impact on others, we need to live as Jesus lived. Look at his example and simply follow him. He's given us the example, create a lifestyle that's centered around Christ and follow that example. And so if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, it means being with Jesus. It means becoming like Jesus. And it means doing what he did. But then he tells He tells the followers, he tells his disciples, this is what he says, verse 16, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be, what? Blessed. If you heard a good sermon, took extra notes, involved in a small group, which by the way is important, Blessed if you do them. Jesus says, I don't care how much you know. I'm not here to make more, smarter disciples. People who take what God says, apply it, and implement it into their lives. He's calling us to do it. He's calling us to do something. If I could sum up what Jesus says in four words, it would be this. Saved people serve people. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means I'm willing to do the dirty work. I'm willing to get down on my hands and knees and do whatever the job is. It requires me to even serve people that I like, people that I love, and people that I don't like, even my enemies. It requires me to live as he lived. Gordon McDonald says this. He says, you can tell whether you are becoming a servant by how you act when people treat you like one. How do you act when someone treats you like a servant? How do you act when someone treats you like a slave? How do you act when someone treats you rudely or mistreats you or takes advantage of you or has wronged you or sinned against you? What do you do? Jesus doesn't get angry at Judas. He doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't start flipping tables over. He doesn't say, I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're about to do. He serves him. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 20. Here's why Jesus came. Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, in in 2014, Burger King changed its slogan from have it your way to be your way. And then most recently, it is you rule, right? All the same idea, right? Have it your way, be your way, you rule. Go to Burger King and you're the customer. You can have it your way. You can be right. It can be your way. You are the customer. You rule. It's all about you. And you know, sometimes people come to church with that attitude. They come to be served. 
they come and, and they want the music this way. They want the songs this way. They want the volume this way. They want the volume that way. They want the sermons to be like this. They want the sermons to be like that. And they come here and they want and they want and they want and they simply want to come and be served. And we really have two mentalities to choose from. You know, first is, is we can come to church and we can come here and we can go, you know what, I'm coming here to be served. And, uh, you know, Keith, Keith, I like, I, like, I like the music you played today. It was awesome. Band, band did a great job. Thank you. Don, thank you for serving and taking care of my kids. Star, thank you for making coffee today. And thank you, Jen, for, for welcoming me and, and being nice and kind and smiling. And Tim, your sermon, eh, it was okay. But, you know, I'll be back in a few weeks. You know, I got to go. See you later. Thanks. The, the, the first mentality is, is the bib mentality. I come on, come in here, put on my bib, and, and you come and you exist to simply serve me. Take care of me. Take care of number one. Take care of my needs. Tim, the coffee wasn't really that great today. Anyway, we could improve that. Keith, you were a little off today. Anyway, we could fix that. Can we do like an auto-tune or something like that? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what was going on with the sermon today, but could you make it a, a little bit better, Tim? Spend a little more time on that? And we simply come with this mentality. But what if we took off the bib took off that mentality, and we said, you know what? I'm going to come here, and I'm going to put on an apron. I'm going to choose the apron mentality. I'm coming to serve you, right? My grandmother made this for my wife, Shana. She made one for me, too, and it somehow got lost in the move. So what if, we, what if we took off the bib mentality and we came to church and we simply came to serve? What needs to be done today? What needs to happen today? How can I help you? What do you need? Maybe I'm not serving every week, but I'm simply coming and I'm looking for people. They're sitting by themselves. I can sit by you. I can introduce myself get myself out of my comfort zone, and I can start up a, a conversation with you, right? And that's why I keep saying, come early, park far, sit close, stay late. Because we want to be a church that is ready and serving others. That if we come early, we're, we're ready for people whether it's their first time or the first time in a year. You're, you're ready to engage with them. You're ready to have a conversation with them. You can't remember their name. That's okay. I didn't either. And you just go, hey, remind me of your name. I forgot. Hey, how long have you been coming here? Right? And you're ready to engage. And you park far, serving them so that when they do show up, the best spots, the only spots available are the ones up front, and they're not the handicapped spots but they're a guest and we're serving them. And we sit all the way up front. I haven't bitten anybody in a whole two years. I'm working on that. But you sit up front 
so that when the new person comes in, they can have that nice comfy seat in the back. They don't get all weirded out, right? The, the lights are down low. The music's going already. They checked in their kids, and they're like, this is the first time I've ever been in a church. I think the walls are going to cave in. I just kind of want to, like, sneak in. And you stay late. You get your kids. You hang out. You talk. You engage. And so what, is this, what does this look like? Imagine what would happen in our marriages, in our workplace, and our community if we begin to serve others. And so if you're married, serve your spouse. What's the one thing your spouse hates to do? Go and do that this week. Ask yourself, what is the, what's the greatest unmet need in our community that someone like me could take care of? Go do that. Serve your kids. When you're tired this week, and you've had a long day, power down your phone and simply be present. You can do that with anybody too, not just your kids, with your spouse, with your friends. Be like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be fully present. I'm not checking anything that's going on on my phone. I'm simply here. Number four, live as Jesus lived. But we also have a really cool opportunity coming up. I don't think we've ever done this. It's called Operation Christmas Child. Maybe some of you are aware of this. Operation, Operation Christmas Child. Take this off. Uh, all of you have taken your embarrassing photos of me. Operation Christmas Child uh, is this organization where we collect school supplies, we collect hygiene products, we collect all sorts of, of things. Uh, there'll be boxes for girls, boxes for boys, different ages, and inside each of those boxes will be a gospel presentation, and we send those boxes all over the world. And I wondered, what if we could do that? What if we could serve others all over the globe simply by collecting school supplies? I mean, school supplies happen to be on sale now because school is happening pretty soon. And we have some lists. We're going to send that out with our kids. So if you have kids in our kids' ministry, those will be a letter about Operation Christmas Child. If you don't have kids, we want you to participate too because here's my vision, that we would pack and send out over 200 boxes. We can do that. That's easy. So bring school supplies in. We'll give you more details about that. We're going to have a packing party here. It's going to be amazing. We're going to pack those boxes together, and we're going to send out 200 boxes all over the globe with the gospel. Because I want you to imagine what it would be like, not just to serve people in our community, but serve people all over the world. What kind of impact could that have if we as a church began to really take on that mentality of the apron because saved people serve people? Let me pray with you. God, you are incredible. And Jesus came not just to be served, but to serve others. He gave that example. He shared that with us. He shared that with the entire world. And I know there are relationships here that are on the brink, marriages on the rocks, strains with their parents, with their kids, and the idea of serving someone that has harmed them, betrayed them, is a bit overwhelming. And I ask that you would help each of us to just 
simply take our next step when it comes to serving. That you would give us an opportunity this week to serve somebody that we wouldn't normally serve. And through that opportunity, your love and your grace and your kindness would be seen to those that we get to serve this week. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys stand with us.